Hi, I'm Matana DeWitt, joined by Dr. Drew Johnson. Welcome to Discover Your Roots, a podcast that will give you tools for understanding the Bible in its original context and its wisdom for today. Let's get started. All right. Uh, we are so excited to be here for uh, recording this podcast. We're excited to have Dr. Drew Johnson here with us. Um, before we get started, we just want to um, talk a little bit about um, why we're here. And we're really excited that you guys are going to be uh, joining us on this journey. So to start out, Drew, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, kind of where you're coming from in this? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Drew Johnson. I teach Bible at a little Christian college in New York City called the King's College. Uh, and a few years ago, I founded the Center for Hebraic Thought, where we look at how the biblical authors think about the world and get scholars together. And um, we produce all kinds of videos, articles, uh, et cetera, for normal church-going folks to understand what the Bible says about various topics from mass incarceration all the way to sexuality to political issues to science. Mm. That's amazing. That's amazing. So that, you know, obviously that's going to really tie into what we're going to be talking about here. But can you give a little bit of a preview of of what this series is going to be about? Um, Why is it important? Uh, What problems are we addressing through what we're going to be talking about in these following episodes? The goal of this series is really to get people to think along with the biblical authors, to think of like the biblical authors over our shoulders pointing uh, things out to us that maybe we haven't noticed before. Um, And that's tricky. Everybody likes to think they think with the biblical authors. This is what I found. I teach college freshmen every semester. So I have, you know, lots of people from around the country coming in and I get to probe and see what they think is going on in the Bible. Sometimes it's horrifying to hear what they think is going on in the Bible. Uh, sometimes it's it's really just a matter of ignorance. Um, you'll hear a lot of, well, the Bible says X, so therefore we should think Y or we should do Y, um, which is typically going to be a pretty bad uh, theology uh, because the Bible says a lot of things and you have to put all of the, those things in concert together. So the goal here is really to learn from the biblical authors, learn with them, and then have them kind of craft a lens that helps us see our world uh, even better. Um, And I think we can talk about it more, but the main hurdle that we're trying to overcome is Bible illiteracy and Bible fluency, um, the lack of Bible fluency. So uh, people don't know what's in the Bible. That's literacy. They they just don't know what's in Mm -hmm. in the text themselves. They've read portions of it. Um, I often find that because I make my students first read Genesis very slowly. Over a few weeks, we read just the book of Genesis. And most of them that were raised in churches did not know most of those stories were in there. Mm. Um, so it's just shocking to them what's going on in the book of Genesis. Even you know sexually, there's all kinds of craziness in Genesis and violence mm. and otherwise. Um, and then uh, – the goal is to see how Genesis lays down the markers that we're going to follow. It's like breadcrumbs that we're going to follow and and thinking about, okay, if Genesis gives us the creation of the cosmos the way God wanted it, then we see it fall apart and fragment before our eyes and we mm-hmm. see all of the, the deleterious effects that come from the fragmentation of humanity and the cosmos. Um, that sets us up for like, oh, there's something going on here we need to follow. You know, there's a there's a trail we need to head down that the biblical authors are pointing us down. And so the goal is is to get us headed down those right trails to see what the trail markers are as we go down those trails mm-hmm. um, and to to follow the breadcrumbs that have been laid out for us by the biblical authors. Mm. 
I know that you, you know, have your experience being a pastor and that, you know, being a um, scholar, professor. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of a lot of examples of of Bible illiteracy, probably things that we don't really notice in in the church very much or as Christians. Um, Can you give us some examples of the way that Bible illiteracy or a lack of understanding the full scope, the full context, what's actually happening in the Bible. I know I have a, um, there's a, a anecdote, I guess, of, um, I, I believe it's called the the Precious Moments Bible. Not not to hate on the Precious Moments Bible. If you guys grew up listening to the Precious Moments Bible, I don't want to hate on that. Good for you. I'm sure that has a lot of value. Um, but I think that there's sometimes a tendency that as we're growing up in Sunday school, we yeah. hear we hear the stories about Jonah. We hear about Noah's Ark, and there's all these cute little animals on a boat, and and it's kind of a. a a, a skimming through the Bible highlights right. different stories, and there's not necessarily this depth of understanding what's actually happening in the Bible. So how have you seen that look like in the people that you've worked with, whether they're your students or parishioners? Um, how does that play out? And the kind of what are some of the effects of that, maybe some mm-hmm. of the dangers of not being able to fully understand what's happening in the Bible? Uh, so I would say he without sin, you know, can throw the first stone here. Look, my, my baby nursery for our first child was in Noah's Ark. And, <laughs> and now I read that story slowly with my students every semester. And I'm like, what were we thinking? Like there should have been dead bodies floating all along with the, with the Ark, right? Um, so we all know what it's like to misread. I have students who tell me, they were taught that Samson was a great hero in the book of Judges. And I'm thinking, read it again, or, you know, or, or Jonah or something like this. And so um, the, the problems are easy. Is If we don't understand what the biblical authors are saying, we're going to miss – we're going to live in the wrong way, right? Jesus addresses this. The prophets address this. Uh, throughout the apostles address this. You don't understand what was said. You don't understand what was being taught to you. And so you are living in the wrong way. Um that's the main problem that we have. So going back to that, you don't understand uh, what was said. And I, and I want to be careful here. By understand, I don't mean something merely in our heads, something that we're just pondering and reflecting on in our brains. Uh, I mean as communities, the, the rituals we perform, uh, the habits that are become part of our practices as communities, those all shape the way we think about the world. Um, and so a, a friend of mine, Brent Strong, who's a professor at uh, Duke University, wrote this book called The Old Testament is Dying, where he made this comparison between people's Bible literacy and uh, pidgin language and Creole. Um, now, I did not know all, all the details of all of this, but uh, all of us who've been to Israel on a passage trip or otherwise, uh, we've experienced pidgin English. Uh, so you go into the markets, into the stalls. And somebody says, I'm sure everybody had this experience where somebody handed them something and said, uh, Bedouin, very good, uh, name price, right? That's uh, a marketeer using uh, pidgin English. They only know 50, 100 words. They, they know the words they need to make the exchange, so they'll know numbers, how, they'll know prices. Uh, they don't know that many verbs. They don't know how to conjugate verbs. Um, and so that's what we call a pidgin level of English. We have pidgin Hawaiian. We have uh, pidgin in lots of different languages. And it's when two languages interact and one is the more powerful. You know, we as the Americans have the money that people want. 
Um, and so the person who's in the position of trying to get something from us is forced to appropriate enough of our language in order to get that thing from us. Now you can see where this analogy is going. If that's our understanding of scripture, right? That we only know a few stories from the storybook Bible, or we only know the heroes of the faith and not much else in between, or we don't know why certain people are heroic and others not. Um, then you have to ask, well, what are we doing with the Bible? Why are we not reading the whole thing more carefully? And the answer is because we're probably just trying to get something we want out of it, right? Mm. Uh, the Bible has the goods. We just want to get it as quickly as possible. Just tell me what I need to be doing. Tell me what I should think. Make me feel better about myself, whatever that might be. So in this spiritualized version of pigeon interaction with the Bible, um, we may know some of the stories, but we don't know how to conjugate the verbs. We don't know how to think alongside the biblical authors. This becomes compounded when uh, what Brent Strawn says is that people take their pidgin understanding of scripture and then they creolize it. So, cre so Jamaican English is a form of creole English where you take your limited understanding of a language and you turn it into an entire language. And I think that's what a lot of Christians do theologically. They build their theologies based on a pidgin understanding of scripture. So they just know stories here and there. They don't know how they actually work. They just know that they exist and they try to piecemeal together some view of God, some view of the kingdom of God, some view of the church. And so they come. I was a pastor. People all the time like, well, the church should be doing this or this is what I think or this is theologically what's correct. And, and my response is always, let's go back through scripture and look, look at it more carefully and see what's going on there. Um, so both this idea that we should be thinking alongside the biblical authors, we already do this to some, ex some extent. Um, we want to do it more and better, and we want to learn what makes the better techniques better and what makes the worse ones worse so we can avoid the worse ones. So we're not talking about the right interpretation of Scripture and living and the wrong ones. We're really just talking about better and worse ones, and let's head towards the better. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the better ways is not to have a spotty understanding of what's going on in Scripture and then trying to apply your spotty understanding to everything else in the world, sexuality, mm. politics, the church, et cetera. Right. That makes sense. So speaking as someone who who did grow up on those Bible stories as well, um, people may be listening to this and thinking, oh, man, you know, am, am, I, am I Bible illiterate? <laughs> what does this mean yes, for me? Yes, we all are to some yeah. extent. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say to those of us who are kind of just starting out on this journey, who maybe have a background of, of knowing the Bible stories, a hunger for, for knowing the Word of God, um, passionate followers of Jesus, and maybe don't feel like that they have a very strong understanding of how to approach Scripture? What would you say to them? So I want to say that there's this idea that I call Hebraic thought. You can call it biblical philosophy or the intellectual world of the Bible. It's the world in which the biblical authors that, that they're portraying to us. It's the way they argue with us about the nature of reality, that it's, it's actually a really radical idea. Um, it was radical in its own time. It's still radical today. Um, it's crazier than you think. They have more profound things to say about what we care about today than you would possibly could ever imagine. It does take a little work. It does mean that sometimes we have to set aside the way that we have been looking at Scripture and try to read Scripture in its natural habitat, and we can talk more about mm -hmm. that in uh, later episodes. Um, it means that we need to, you know, if you want to think, I think of two different volume knobs, you know, one is the biblical author's voice, what they're actually saying and how they're trying to say it. So think of when you're arguing with somebody and you, you might say like, well, yeah, that's what I said, but here's what I meant, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the biblical authors, if they could 
come out of the pages. They'd grab us all by the throat and say, yes, that is what I said, but here's what I meant, right? So that's the, the, the volume now for the biblical authors. You know, we want to turn that up as loud as possible and listen to them. And then the, the volume knob on our church traditions, our pastors, our theology, our own pet understandings of scripture. Let's just, we're not turning it off, but let's just turn it down for a little bit and let the mm-hmm. biblical authors be the loudest voice in the room. And when we allow that to happen, and we'll look at literary techniques of, of plain readings of scripture that we can, uh, that I think most people can very easily get to. We'll just find out they have way more to say than we've ever thought. And it mm-hmm. makes actually scripture reading very exciting for me. It's not dull. Even, even the, the supposedly dull parts uh, become not so dull when you understand that they're actually reaching through these pages trying to argue with us about the nature of reality. Mm, that's great. And, haven't you said that Leviticus is your favorite book of the Bible? <laughs> it is my so, favorite book of the Bible. So he's not kidding when he says And that. I would put a plug in. It's, I think it's Jesus' favorite book of the Bible as well. He oh, quotes okay. it quite a bit. So. <laughs> Amazing. Stay tuned for more of that. <laughs> awesome. So, um, yeah, kind of moving on from here, what, what does Bible fluency have to do with being a faithful follower of Jesus? Because I know you mentioned that, you know, there is a connection between understanding the Bible in a deep, meaningful, accurate way, and then also how that translates to how we live. So what would you say is is urgent, I guess, is the word to use about becoming fluent in the Bible? Yeah. So if the thanks for reminding me, if the, if the metaphor is that uh, we need to be Bible literate, which means we need to know what's in there and how it works— Fluency is knowing scripture well enough that we, you know, like speaking a language that, um, you can actually, you can read Spanish all you want. Uh, I took college courses on Spanish. I read it quite well when I was in the military and I'd deploy to Colombia, South America, mm-hmm. and people would walk up to me and speak Spanish. That's when I need to actually generate all of that stuff that I learned and actually produce new words and new sentences to this particular context. So that's fluency is when we can, uh, when we heard the biblical authors well enough that we can say, here's what I think they might have said about this situation. So if I can give a quick example, mm-hmm. when COVID first came out, uh, the, the, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, very well meaning people on Twitter, uh, who instantly jumped to, isn't our God great? He's been talking about clean and unclean and quarantine and all this since Leviticus, right? My favorite book. Um, like this is all, this is like, God has been teaching us how to think about this stuff from uh, the beginning of Israel. And all I thought was, if Moses could step out of those pages and have a word with us today, I don't think he would be talking to us about clean and unclean. And I don't think hygiene and, and disease control is actually the main concern there. Um, I think that the biblical authors would say, actually, it's this thing about looking out for the most vulnerable. Like that's the thing that we actually need to do is think about who is the most vulnerable in your community. And then the community needs to act in accordance. That's what the prophets, that's what Moses is always railing about. It's what the prophets are always railing about. So that's the kind of extending the biblical authors thinking, um, because there were plagues in the days of the biblical authors, but most of them were sent by God himself. Hmm. Right. Um, and they do have this other category of just there's bad things that happen in the world because the world's fragmented and broken and not the way it's supposed to be. And here's how you're to act in response to the brokenness of the world. And so um, now 
I, I wouldn't say that I'm absolutely right and everybody else who says otherwise is wrong, but those are the kinds of conversations I want to have rather than, a, well, the Bible says clean and unclean, therefore, mm. this is what we, you know, isn't this great or this is what we should do. Um, the biblical authors are always wanting to have a more sophisticated conversation with us. If you don't believe me, it's what Jesus screams about when he's talking to his fellow mm-hmm. Hebrews. Like, look, you guys are having, trying to have a dumbed down Scripture say X, so therefore Y, and I'm trying to have a more sophisticated conversation with you. The farmers, the poor, the women, the foreigners, mm. the children, I want to have a more sophisticated conversation with all of you. Mm. Wow. That kind of you know brings up even the idea of knowing the Bible to this depth almost has a, a feeling of becoming a little bit of a scholar. Um, in the Bible, maybe not exactly, maybe that's right. not the exact word for it, but um, a level of knowledge that's maybe, maybe feels above what, um, a, an understanding of, of what a lay person would need to know, kind of like right. leaving that idea behind. So we may have people listening here who are college students, who are um, young adults, maybe they're uh, young parents, um, not to exclude any anyone else who may be listening in, but um, single what, older people, <laughs> widows, orphans, all of all of the all the above, yes. yes. Um, specifically for pastors alumni, what would you say? Like, what would you have to say about the importance of knowing these things, even if you're not a pastor, even yeah. if you're not going to be a professor, even if you don't necessarily want to make a career as a result of this knowledge? Like, what is what is the accessibility of this knowledge to to the average follower of Jesus? So I think the um, the short answer to that question is we're all, we're all accountable to actually have this level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, when I was a pastor, um, I had many parishioners who were older who uh, were raised in the Depression. Um, and those people knew the Bible like nobody's business. Uh Quite honestly, a lot of the work I do in the African-American church, those people seem to know the Bible really, really well. Sectors of the white evangelical church, some of them know it pretty well. It's typically the older people who have spent a long time reading, digesting, reflecting on it. When I first became a pastor with the Masters of Divinity, now my church had all blue collar, not a doctor or lawyer in the bunch. They would hold me accountable. Now, I had a master's degree in this, and every week I had had the debrief with the grannies where they would show me where I hadn't read far enough into the book of Samuels. I was making this point really big here, but actually if you knew what happened four chapters later, you wouldn't be saying that so strongly. Hmm. Um, And they actually taught me scripture beyond my seminary education. Hmm. Um, When Jesus talks to farmers, not scribes and lawyers and doctors, but when he talks to farmers, he says, you know, you see a cloud rising up out of the sea. And everybody who's been to Israel knows like the, the clouds rising up out of the Mediterranean that often come over the land and dry out and you don't see them anymore. So you know what he's talking about here. Uh, You see the cloud rising up out of the sea and and you say, ah, behold, rain. And so it happens. And you see the the wind blowing up from the south, which still happens today. It's called a chamsin that comes up out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And you know it's going to be hot. And so it happens. You hypocrites. That's strong language, right? Mm. You hypocrites. You know how to tell the the seasons and the meteorology, if I can just say it in our language today. You know how to do meteorology when it has to do with your flocks and your fields, but you don't know how to – you're not interpreting this present time, right? So he's actually saying um, – and he does this with his own disciples on the road to Emmaus. Like, yo, come on, guys. And beginning with Moses, he explained to them why all these things had to happen. 
He expects normal Galilean fishermen, he expects poor and uneducated people to know enough of the Torah and the prophets to have practiced it in their communities and their lives in order to interpret correctly what he's saying and doing in this day. And he calls them hypocrites because you know how to do it in one part of your life, but you're not applying the same skill in this part of your life. So in Deuteronomy 4, it says that God is giving all of this instruction, this Torah, to make us into a wise and discerning people. The goal isn't to know a bunch of things. I don't know that many things if we're quite honest about it. I know a lot of like weird things that only nerds and scholars care about. But when it comes to the, the Bible, I don't know everything. I'm learning every single uh, month with my students and my uh, family. Um, that's not the goal. The goal is to become a wise and discerning people. That's what Jesus is worried about. That's what Paul, James, Jude, John, Peter are all worried about. Um, it's what I'm worried about is that we might have lost the, – the wisdom bus might have left us because of our pigeon understanding of Scripture. And so mm. we're trying to recapture what normal Christians had a generation ago. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. That's encouraging to hear just that, you know, we're all we're all coming to this um, with the goal of hopefully becoming a wise and discerning person, not just to know things and that you don't have to have a, a prerequisite level of um, right. uh, intelligence, whatever that even is, <laughs> to be and, able and to not just to a come wise and this. discerning person. Sorry if I can no, go for it. there. But a wise and discerning community mm. that we, we are wiser as a community. You know, when I teach a class, I say, look, the wisdom of this room is better than the wisdom of any individual in the room. Wow. And that's a conviction of scripture that I think we need to hold. So when I say the natural habitat of scripture, I don't mean reading alone by yourself in your prayer closet. Uh, mm. It's actually reading together with others, listening to scripture together with others. That's actually how it was written. It was written to be heard. It was written to be heard in community. And so if we're not doing that together, then that's step one. We got to start solving that problem. It's it's great that I've had a lot of time in my life to sit down and read scripture closely in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, um, but that's not what has actually made me why to whatever degree I'm wise and discerning. That's not what made me do it. It was reading it in community mm. with those old ladies from Depression mm. Era ladies. That's what helped me the most. Wow, that's good to know. I think especially for um, you know society that we live in here in america as as americans we we like doing our own thing we like you know uh, mm -hmm. being a being a self-starter which has its benefit but that's a good reminder to to recognize that we are we're we're individual we're formed as individuals in a in a community yeah. um, as we as that's centered around around scripture that's awesome um great so this is this is great a great kind of start to what we're going to be talking about in the rest of these episodes um i do want to touch on one one more topic that i think um would be helpful to talk a little bit about um as we frame the rest of these episodes that we're going to uh, they're going to come after this and that is um, understanding what it looks like to approach Scripture intellectually. Mm. Um, I know that some of us come from traditions where maybe an intellectual approach to Scripture was discouraged, or maybe there was a concern that if if I focus too much on um, on learning about the Bible rather than just learning the Bible, then my faith may may suffer from it. Um, so I'm curious if you can kind of speak into that because I know that a lot of what we're going to be talking about may may have a very intellectual feel to it. And mm. I want to be conscientious about maybe people who are a little bit uncomfortable with that. Yeah. What would you have to say about that? Um, I would say – I would go with Jesus. I'll, I'll just go back to his hypocrite language. Like anything, uh, anything that we want to do well, it just takes time. I think – 
I think the opposite, maybe I could just say, like, what's the other choice? The other choice is cheap and shoddy understanding of Scripture so that you can kind of haphazardly apply it in various mm-hmm. parts of your life and come up with silly understanding. I mean, um, in, intellectual, I, I might replace the word intellectual with a spiritual understanding, and I mean mm-hmm. spiritual in the sense that Paul uses the term. Um, so many people don't know this, but the term logical is actually logikos, is the term that is often translated as spiritual in Paul's letters. Mm. And so there's this sense now, Paul, he's crazy smart and he really like it's, <laughs> it's, it's distracting how smart and how he's got it all hung together in his thinking. But, um, really I, I put it in the, in the terms of a group exercise and I include myself. I am a scholar. That's what I do for a living, but I have a definitive sense that I need other people to come alongside me. And as we, uh, as we learn what scripture says, and put it into practice, that's how we come to know what God is trying to show us. If we try to just learn what it says, we will never come to know what God is trying to show us. I think mm-hmm. that's a fool's errand. I think it's what all the scriptures teach against people who are trying to suspend knowledge into their heads. Um, and the, the real knowledge, it's kind of like knowing karate. If you've no karate kid, right? The real knowledge. <laughs> is to actually sand the deck, paint the fence, paint mm. the house, uh, wax wax the car, wax on, wax <laughs> off. Um, there, there's something combining with that conversation, reflection, and then the practice of what Scripture, uh, scripture teaches us to do that actually helps us to see what he's trying to show us. If you want evidence of this, read the Gospel of Mark. You can read any Gospel, but the Gospel of Mark is especially hard on the disciples they have some intellectual like head knowledge of what Jesus is doing, but they don't understand it. And primarily Mark points out they don't understand because they don't do what Jesus says. When he says you feed mm. them, they stumble and fumble. And then when he gets another chance, you, okay, you feed them, they still stumble and fumble and then get caught arguing about the fact that they only have one loaf of bread. I mean, it's, it's dark comedy here <laughs> uh, where they're, tra- they're, they're showing us the buffoonery of not putting into practice these things as a community. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would suggest it's great if you love reading, understanding, but if that's all you love, then this is not this is not the life or the kingdom of God for you. Mm. Hmm. Strong words, powerful. Um, Strong words of the prophets, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reciting what I've heard. Like I'm just the messenger. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, as we kind of close out this episode, I want to set the stage for what's coming. It's going to be really exciting. Um, this is really top-notch training that's going to be in these episodes, and it's free, and we really hope that um, everyone listening can benefit um, in the best way possible for them. So can you kind of give a little bit of an overview of what to expect and why people would want to stay on this journey with us? Yeah. Um, well, we're going to learn to think with Scripture. I mean, that's the goal. The big goal is to think alongside, which means we're going to have to look at uh, story and poetry and law and think about how as literature and the rituals that they teach us to perform with our bodies and in community, how those things shape our understanding uh, of the kingdom of God, which means we're going to have to learn a little bit about literature, like how is poetry an argument about the nature of reality? Mm. I think uh, that blew my mind more than anything else is learning about Hebrew poetry um, and and how the biblical authors are u- using poetry to really wrestle with us and tussle with us. Um, and then we're going to practice it. Towards the very end, we're going to actually look at the nature of truth, uh, that the way that we talk about truth and false in our culture, even in our Christian culture, even in our apologetics culture, 
isn't quite biblical. It's mm-hmm. not the way the biblical authors think and act about the issues of truth and falsity. It's not unbiblical. I'm not saying they're they're wrong, but it doesn't quite dovetail, which means they don't get to extend the thinking of Scripture as fully as they might want to. So we're going to come back to truth, and we're going to walk it from the garden and fake news uh, all the way to the uh, to Revelation, and think about what truth looks like today, and where do we where do we see the biblical concepts of truth in our culture? Amazing. Well. Needless to say, you won't want to miss it. Uh, We hope you guys come back for episode two. And until next time, uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Discover Your Roots. This podcast is brought to you by the Passages team and is made possible by our generous donors. If you'd like to make a contribution to the work we do, please visit passagesisrael.org and click the donate button. To find more resources about the Bible in its original context, the roots of the Christian faith in Israel, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Jewish-Christian relations, and more, subscribe to our newsletter at passagesisrael.org forward slash foundations. Again, that's passagesisrael.org forward slash foundations. You can also follow us on social media to learn more about Israel and the Bible at Passages Israel. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, I'm Matana DeWitt. Thanks for listening.